Yeah. So I always tell people you are responsible for your family. So don't expect, you know, your spouse to be able to talk to your family and say, I'm really a good person now. Um, I'm being a great co-parent and I'm a good, I'm a good partner in a parenting relationship with your daughter or son. So don't expect that person to do that because that's going to fall on deaf ears for sure. But, um, (laughs) you know, talk to your parents, talk to your family and say, look, this is really important. These are some boundaries. If you want to continue to see your grandchildren or your nieces or your nephews or whatever, this is what the rules are. Number one, don't say anything bad about the other parent. Don't talk about the divorce and what your views are on divorce. You know, so really be clear. This episode is brought to you by the Blissful Parenting Toolbox. If you're looking for better ways to communicate with your child, deal with challenging behavior, or just improve your parenting skills, our free parenting toolbox contains the best resources from our expert workshops, as well as contributions from our podcast guests. These tools could be the missing link that you've been looking for to solve everyday parenting challenges and to access highly effective ways to communicate with your child without triggering conflict, arguments, or meltdowns. The best part is that these resources, tools, and templates are completely free and are a gift to you for being a valued member of our community and subscriber to our show. To get free instant access to the Blissful Parenting Toolbox today by visiting www.blissfulparenting.com forward slash toolbox. That address again, www.blissfulparenting.com forward slash toolbox. Register today and we'll see you on the inside. Hello, hello, Blissful Parents, Michelle Abraham, your host here today. Oh my gosh, you guys, I am so excited to introduce you to our guest today. This is a topic that we really haven't talked a lot about. So Marty Winder Adams, I am so excited you are here. Uh, Let me tell the audience a little bit more about you after we say hi. How are you doing? Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. Oh my gosh, no problem. So we're going to be talking about setting up positive expectations for co-parenting and collaborative parenting through separation and divorce. Oh my gosh, such an important topic. And let me tell you guys a little bit more about Marty. So Marty's an executive and leadership coach, certified divorce transition coach, and a credentialized distinguished mediator in Texas. Marty's helped hundreds of women navigate the divorce process and reduce the emotional and financial costs in the process. She's the founder of Positive Communication Systems. So Marty, thank you so much for joining us today. I just am excited to dive into this because I don't know about you, but have you noticed that there's been influx of divorce since the pandemic? You know, it's kind of, it's kind of odd because I think it depends on where you are statistically. And this kind of floored me, Michelle, statistically, the divorce rate dropped from 2020 to 2022. And a lot of people are saying that the the reason for that was it was too hard to separate. Mm. So people just decided to kind of hunker down and get through it. So I'm anticipating anytime now we're going to see that big kind of surge in the number of uh, cases filed. Interesting. Well, maybe it forced them to work things out too. So maybe that, that also helps in that being close together again, all the time helped with the relationships. So there's hope, right? (laughs) I I think it did. I think the people that were kind of um, needing that a little bit extra time together, it really supported. And the people that were struggling with being together 
it solidified it. This is not working for us. Right. So <laughs> there's two camps there. Oh my gosh. Now, you know, I've seen firsthand, I was just sharing with you before two of my family members, both on either sides of our family have gone through divorce in the last few years. And one successfully and like navigated pretty well with the co-parenting other not so great so what are some what's some of the things that you would just want to share with our, our parents today like thinking that are in the process of this or thinking about getting going on this process what would you suggest as a starting point well I think one of the big things that I see is um and and I even though I'm in Texas I'm from Alberta, so I spent a lot of time up in the Canadian system as well and in the U.S. as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most places now have a co-parenting education component, Mm -hmm. but that typically doesn't kick in until after people um, get to an attorney and even file and then they're required to take the program. And I think by then a lot of the damage is already done. So I think if parents start thinking about the children And the fact that divorce, if you have kids, is not an end. There's no end. It's an opportunity to reset the relationship and to look at each other no longer as intimate partners, but as partners in the most important thing in life, I think, which is raising successful children. You know, we've all worked with colleagues. We don't necessarily call our best friends, but when we have to get it done, we can work collaboratively together. And I think that if co-parents or people that are thinking of separating can sort of get that mindset that I'm stuck with this person, And it's not going to end when my child is 18. We're going to continue to be mom and dad forever. We're going to have to go to weddings and births of grandchildren and all kinds of special events in in our kids' lives. So, hey, let's let's let the past be in the past and let's forge a new relationship and what we want it to look like. Mm, That's great advice. I love that. And, you know, before it even gets down, like seems like when a divorce is get taken to the courts, it just becomes messy and ugly and oftentimes not great and dragged on forever and ever and ever. I don't know if that's same everywhere, but it seems like forever Mm -hmm. goes on Mm -hmm. years and years. And so there's no, there's this like, it's like a hard to start thinking about the next step when you're still in the middle of the mess. So do you recommend people like seek out a, a mediator first before going that route anyways? I always recommend mediation. Um, There's a couple of situations where mediation is not appropriate. So I am not, I don't want to be Pollyanna and say, everybody should go to mediation. If there's significant issues with domestic violence, obviously mediation is not an appropriate tool. Or I shouldn't say that. It could be an appropriate tool, but, but the person who has been the victim of the domestic violence or the survivor really needs to have a safety net in place, they need to have the emotional support, and they need to have the physical security to be able to proceed. The other exception to that is obviously, if there is any kind of uh, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, or mental health issues for either one of the parents, mediation may not be appropriate. It could be, but it may not be. But I think other than that, most people should attempt to at least set up a co-parenting plan using mediation, because that really does ensure that both mom and dad, or both mom and mom and dad and dad, whatever the relationship may be, are able to get that, get what they need out of it. And also more importantly, make sure their kids are getting what they need out of the um, new relationship, having two households to go to. Mm, I love that. Has there been some other things that you can recommend that you've seen be really successful in setting up the boundaries of this kind of co-parenting relationship? 
that's obviously been good for the kids. <laughs> yes, Michelle. And I think the most important thing is to sit down and have the conversation very early. Like not with the, hey, I think we should get a divorce conversation. I think that should be one conversation. <laughs> Maybe the second conversation after Yes, that. <laughs> but I think very quickly it needs to be, how are we going to talk to the kids about this? And again, if you can go as the parents and sit in front of the children, get everybody together and say, look, this is what we've decided to do. We need you to understand this is not your fault. You did nothing to cause this. This is an issue between us. And if you can honestly say this, I think this is fantastic. We don't dislike each other. We don't hate each other. We're not going to fight. We're not going to argue or we're not going to pull you apart or make you choose sides. We're here to make this the best possible situation for you. And we know it's going to be tough. So you need to talk to us about what we can do to make this better for you. When parents start with that collaborative discussion with their kids, and obviously you have to make that age-appropriate conversation. But I think it really does give the children that sense of, okay, things are going to be different, but they're not going to be like dramatically different because mom's still going to be in her role and dad's still going to be in his role. I think that's really important to do. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the other things that maybe, I would feel like this is just a given, but I've probably good to say this here too, is that like, you know, the, the keeping of like the other parent in a positive light in front of the kids too, like on both sides. So no matter what house they're going to, that the other parents talked about in a good way and not, you know, ripped apart. Yes. Oh yeah. And here's another one that I think is something so, so minor that it's not, sometimes it doesn't even come across people's radar, but when you say, you know, if you say to your children, I love you, then also saying, you know what, and I know mom or dad really loves you too. So that the kids are hearing that message from both parents. Mm. That is so powerful. And I'm going to throw this in here, Michelle, too. This may be going a little bit farther than, than just talking positively about them. But for goodness sakes, do not post any personal information on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever social media platform you're on, even emails. You would be surprised what kids see over here are told about, you know, so I, I always tell people, if you're going to send something on social media, I want you to imagine that you have to stand there and explain that to your two-year-old when they get to be 16, what that meant, because once it's out there, it's out there. So yeah, not only don't talk about it about the other parent, don't post anything, don't talk about it on well, social media. I think media. that's important to say, because I mean, Parents that are parents now with kids that are smaller, teenage, I still didn't grow up with social media. So it's still, I think something that we kind of need to be reminded of, you know, sometimes because our, our high school years, thank goodness, we're not on social media. (laughs) Thank goodness. Maybe, but the, but the younger parents coming up will totally get that as well. But for us that are a little bit older, I think that's really important to keep reminding us of that because yeah. I think that's a really great way of putting it. If you don't want to explain this to your kids, what this says, then don't post it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so are there any things that we can do to like help our kids going like with the going back and forth and like setting that up? Like, is there a way that you can spin it so that it's uh, like, it's a positive thing, a great thing that they get to go back between two houses instead of it being this thing, like they gotta go like pack their bags. Like I'm sure kids get tired of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah so that, 
there's a couple of really good things that you that you put in there, Michelle. And that's something that when I work with people, I talk to them a lot about this before mm-hmm. they go into mediation. But one of the big things is keep the number of transitions as minimal as possible. So I call a transition going between mm-hmm. households. The other thing I think that's really important is that kids have a sense that they belong at both households and they're equally living at both households, even they may, though they may be like, you know, five days at one household and maybe only every other weekend at the other. So I try to really encourage parents not to say you're going to visit your other parent, but I I try to encourage people to say you have parenting time with mom, you have parenting time with dad, and just really keeping that positive. The other thing is when school is in session, school is a nice way to break that up because rather than having kids, you know, come home on Friday afternoon, stay overnight, have the other parent pick them up Saturday morning, go to the other parents, come home Saturday or Sunday night, and then go to school. Why not just cut that out and have the other parent pick the kids up at four or three or whatever on Friday afternoon, and then take them to school on Monday. That gives a little bit more time for parents to have parenting time. It also means two less extra transitions that kids don't have to go through, right? Right. So it just makes it more natural rather than breaking up that. The other thing I think is really important is to understand is once your kids hit about 12, 13, they don't really necessarily want to spend the weekends with either mom or dad or either parent, right? They want to go to their friend's house. They want to go to the games. They want to do sleepovers. They want to do that. So the parenting plan has got to adjust over time to be age appropriate to the children. And when parents have a really good relationship and they can call up and say, you know, our child, our daughter, our son has an event this weekend. I know it's, it's your parenting time, but listen, let's just let them go. And you can have the next two weekends in a row, or you can have from Thursday to Tuesday, or if you can accommodate that life is going to be so much simpler for your kids, for you, especially in those teenage years. Right. And I know like sports also throw a big, like kind of like wrench in everything too, which is, it's good because I feel like I've seen like both parents show up to the sporting events, even if it's their week or not their week. And it's kind of nice to get a chance to see the kids between their weeks sometimes too. What's your thoughts on the sporting events? I am all for that. And I am even, and, and I know this seems a little maybe odd for people that might be in a more high conflict kind of situation, but lots of parents go through the divorce and continue to do those things together. They actually sit together. And I think that's commendable. Now it's not reasonable for some people, or it's not realistic, but it's a goal to work for, right? So things like parent-teacher interviews, as somebody who taught school for almost 15 years, trust me, if you can both come to parent-teacher interviews, that sends a message to your child that mom and dad are on the same team and they're hearing the same information. I even work with parents that do Christmas or even do vacations together. Again, I'm not recommending it. I'm not saying that that's required, but there's nothing wrong if you have a good co-parenting relationship, or sometimes people are better friends as co-parents than they were as a married couple. So fine. Don't let people define what that relationship needs to look like. As long as you're comfortable with it, your kids are comfortable with it, and your spouse or your new partner is comfortable with it, then do what makes, what makes it work for you and your family. Yeah, that's great. I love it when you can I then start to see the parents as friends and they get along as friends. Now, what about the rest of the family? Like, so sometimes I think the parents co-parent and they've moved on and they can be friends and around the same room, but the rest of the family is still like, mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> don't talk to that person. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I always tell people you are responsible for your family. So don't expect, you know, your spouse to be able to talk to your family and say, I'm really a good person now. Um, I'm being a great co-parent and I'm a good, I'm a good partner in a parenting relationship with your daughter or son. So don't expect that person to do that because that's going to fall on deaf ears for sure. But, um, you know, talk to your parents, talk to your family and say, look, this is really important. These are some boundaries. If you want to continue to see your grandchildren or your nieces or your nephews or whatever, this is what the rules are. Number one, don't say anything bad about the other parent. Don't talk about the divorce and what your views are on divorce, you know, so really be clear and It's kind of a hard thing to do, but if they're not following the rules, then they don't maybe have that kind of access to the kids until they can get their acts together because they, you know, if they're adults, they should be able to respect your wishes of how to, how to talk about the other parent and talk about the divorce in front of the children. Mm, Yeah. Interesting. It's funny when my, uh, my brother got divorced when his son was pretty young. So I would say under five and a few years later, I remember he's like, oh, you don't know my grandma or you don't know my aunt. And I was like, wow, that's interesting that he, because we, there was four years where we were all, we were at family events together, all together, but didn't remember that we knew each other. So yeah, it's interesting. I was like, oh yeah, I know. I know your aunt. I know your grandma. They're great. <laughs> like, yeah, I thought yeah. this is funny that he didn't remember that point in his life. <laughs> I think that's very common, actually. So I, you know, and there's so much research now that says how important being part of a family unit is for kids. And so respecting that and just honoring that with the understanding (laughs) that if people are not doing something, if they're doing something that's harmful to the kids emotionally, psychologically, whatever, I think it's, again, it's very reasonable for the parent to say, you know, you got to, what do they call that? Clean up your act or, you know, you're going to have limited access to the children. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And the parent being the advocate for that too. I think that's so, I think that's so great. I mean, obviously this takes a little bit of work and a time for the parents who are going through this to get to that point. I think, is there like, have you seen that there's been like, you know, it's like, like three or four months after this happens that usually parents can kind of start like building a relationship or obviously it's different in every case. I think it is, you know, they talk about, um, and and it depends where you are, it depends what the situation is, but most people are looking at about six months for the divorce process, unless it's contested. I mean, then it gets, that's the ones that go years and years and years. But, you know, if you can do it through mediation, if you can come up with a mediated agreement, if you can come up with a co-parenting plan, um, work together, collaborative law, or however you do it, that six month mark is really kind of the critical time. But like I say, some people, and I'm seeing more younger couples are really starting out with the goal to be collaborative parents, literally right from the first time that they separate. So I think some of it is a generational thing. I think people are less likely to be adversarial if they've been married a shorter period of time. Obviously, if there hasn't been an affair or there's not some kind of extreme issue that created the divorce you know, it's, it's easier to step into that role. If there's a lot of hard feelings and a lot of anger and frustration, it may take a little bit longer, but like you say, it's just a goal to eventually work towards that point. So for those who are listening that maybe don't understand the mediation process, can the mediation process then like eliminate the need to go to court? Yes. It will. It, it, in effect, and I've got to be a little careful because I realize you've got people listening from all over the place. So every (laughs) Every state is going to have a slightly different version, but typically mediation is, is an alternative to going Mm -hmm. to court. 
it takes a lot less time to get it scheduled. It's fairly informal. It can be done online. There's lots of people now that are doing virtual mediations. And basically it's, you write out an agreement, you sign it, the other party signs it, and it's considered a binding document at that point in time. Then it goes to the court and the court, the court does their seal of approval on it. Mediation can only set forth how you want to divide assets, how you want to do your co-parenting plan. To get the actual divorce, you have to go through the legal system. That's a legal thing to get the marriage dissolved. But the mediation can form the settlement part of the divorce. Absolutely. Right. Well, and I love that you're a divorce, like transition coach. I think that's a really, I think what a brilliant need for a coach in that period of time. And like, I know that's not something that's been around forever. Is this relatively in the last like 20 years, a new kind of coaching that's available to people, or has this always been around? I think I'm just new to it because I just had now, (laughs) now I know people are getting divorced. Maybe that's, I'm just, just hearing about it in the last 10 years. (laughs) No, no, you're not. Um, You're absolutely right. It's something that's relatively new. Uh, And again, it depends Different countries in different areas have had have had different um, things in place. But I think one of the things that's important is, especially in the United States where I am now, the American Bar Association has actually recognized divorce coaching as a thing, which has given some sort of gravitas to it, whereas before it was sort of like, oh, it's another kind of coaching. So it, it is specialized. It is more directed to how to prep for mediation, how to deal with kind of the emotional distress how to deal with the mindset shift and how to work with, how to work with professionals. Uh, Cause that can be another, another stress level in the divorce is having to not only deal with the personal stuff, but now you're dealing with an attorney who you have to be able to communicate with effectively and have them represent you. And so there's all those other things. So it is something that's, that's relatively new, Michelle, but I think it's something that people are, like you say, they're kind of hearing it and they're going, Oh, I get it. Like, I understand where that would be helpful. Yeah. Like just, and even in my, our own family, one family member who did go through a mediation, the other one didn't. And the difference in the divorces was (laughs) insane. So it's uh, interesting that like, I think having that mediation right at the beginning and having someone like, you know, kind of teaching you or coaching you through the, like you said, the mindset, the, how to get prepared and how to work with um, other professionals. So helpful. What's some of the experiences that some of your clients have had? Like, can you share a little bit about like how that's helped them like get prepared? Well, I, it's interesting because I deal with people all, all through the process. And so one of the things that I found is when I'm able to work with people fairly early on, that they come to me and they say, man, I didn't think this could be this easy. Like, I thought we were going to have so many problems and so many complications, because when we tried to talk about this, um, we got into fights, we were arguing, we couldn't see any common ground. And, you know, sitting down and talking to a coach who asks you those questions and help you get really clear on what you want out of it, you're able to go in and I don't want to say take the emotion out of it, because you're never going to do that. I mean, there's, you know, there's that relationship. But you can look at it more as if this is a starting point for us. What do we want our lives to look like as co-parents moving forward? Or even if you don't have children saying, look, let's work together and get this resolved because I really don't want to be donating $50,000 to my attorney. (laughs) And not that there's a, I love attorneys. They do a fantastic job. They're absolutely essential in this, but it, you know, they are the most costly professional that's going to be involved in your divorce um, scenario. So if you can 
streamline and agree upon what you can, then you're, you're going to reduce the financial costs. Yeah. You're going to reduce the emotional distress. I just think it sets out a really nice opportunity to work as co-parents moving forward when you've had that face-to-face conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. There's nothing worse than the text messages and emails and not answering phones and things like that. It can get messy. And I think having that third person there probably makes everyone a little bit better behaved. (laughs) Yeah. And I think just, you know, sometimes it's just having somebody that you can vent to Mm -hmm. and just say, man, I just don't know what I'm going to do about this situation. And then have somebody say, well, what would you, you know, kind of coach you through it Mm. so that you walk out and you go, yeah, I do have some control over this. And there's some things I do know that I can do. It gives you that, um, I think empowerment is an overused word, but it really does. It gives you that sense of, I got control of this. Mm. I know what I'm going to do next. Um, Do you meet with each party individually first and then together? Or how does that work? When I do divorce coaching, I only work with women. I do not work with Mm. both parties at all. There are some divorce coaches that do that. And if I act as somebody's divorce coach, I do not, I cannot act as their mediator because it would be a dual role, which you can't have. So I can either be a coach or I can be a mediator. And I have found my personal preference is the coaching because mediation is like a one, four hour block. You get to work with these people. Whereas with coaching, I mean, I work with some of my clients for eight months. It just depends four months or eight months. I didn't say that very clearly. I apologize. (laughs) So we really get 48 months. Hopefully not, (laughs) (laughs) but it really, you know, it really gives me an opportunity to get, you know, to get comfortable. And so that people are going to be able to talk about the issues because sometimes it just takes having somebody that's impartial, neutral, and is not emotionally involved in the situation to step you through. Okay. What do you need to do now? Now you've got that off your chest. What do you need to do to go forward? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I would imagine that'd be so helpful for people going through that. And also like just the financial side of it too, like keeping some of that money for your kids instead of giving it to the lawyers and my gosh. Yeah. It's just so it's just, it feels like it would be like someone on your, someone on your support team. Right. And I think that would be really helpful. Yeah. And you know, um, I, and again, I know things are a little different in Canada and the United States and I work with a couple of clients in the UK. So I know it's very different over there, but I do, you know, it's not uncommon for me to work with people who are two or three years into their divorce. And I'm, I'm talking 30, 300, 400, half a million dollars in attorney fees, court costs, you know, extra professionals that they brought in where things are just falling apart and there's no end in sight for this. And again, it's not, it's not the legal system's fault. It's not the individual's fault. It's just, I think a lot of times there isn't that groundwork laid before they go into it and they make decisions and things get done and things get said. And let's face it, if you say really hurtful things to your soon to be X, it's going to be pretty hard for them to just go, oh, I'm, you know, I'll just forgive that. It can escalate really quickly. And I'm not talking anything physical. I'm just talking, you know, that verbal, verbal arguments and that sense of resentment. Once that gets going, it's really hard for people to then become collaborative. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh my gosh. Not impossible, but it is difficult. (laughs) Yeah. So get to Marty early is the answer, right? Well, I I mean, personally, that that would be not just me, but anybody, um, any divorce coach, you know, even a therapist, whoever you find that's comfortable to talk to, really important. And sometimes it's even a good friend. 
but just remember good friends are not bound by confidentiality right. and sometimes information you share with friends and family members that you want really confidential does not end up confidential i always give that little cautionary tale in there so true so true oh my gosh mighty this has been so insightful and hope for you blissful parents out there that are navigating this right now i hopefully this has been super helpful for you guys i know i've learned a lot and i feel better educated for if that ever happens and i need to do that route in the future i hope not but <laughs> you never know right <laughs> but thank you so much marty for joining us today and blissful parents please reach out to marty i know she's got a special gift for us which we will put in the show notes for everyone and marty can you tell us a little bit about what you have for us Yes. What I've tried to put together is to hopefully help people start that trip of becoming collaborative. So it's a co-parenting mindset primer. And what it is, is it just, you can work through it on your own. It's really helpful if both parents work through it and then kind of compare their answers. But it talks about what do you see as the important things that you do in your life and your important role as a parent. And also what do you see as the other parent's role? And then what are you both going to do to make sure that both parents get the opportunity to continue those roles with their kids in their children's lives? And I think that's a nice way to sort of get the ball rolling with those kind of conversations. So I'm hoping it's helpful just as a, as a way to start looking at this more collaboratively. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Make sure you guys check out the show notes for those. And Marty, thank you so, so much. Where can we find out more information about working with you? Uh, you can go to the website, www.divorcecoach4women, and that's the number four, divorcecoachforwomen.com. And if people are interested, there is also a link to book a, a free session with me if they would just like to brainstorm some ideas. I'd be happy to meet with. Awesome. Thanks so much, Marty. Have a great afternoon, Blissful Parents. Thanks so much for joining us today. And we'll see you again next week. Thanks so much, Marty. Thank you, Michelle. This episode is brought to you by the Blissful Parenting Toolbox. If you're looking for better ways to communicate with your child, deal with challenging behavior, or just improve your parenting skills, our free parenting toolbox contains the best resources from our expert workshops, as well as contributions from our podcast guests. These tools could be the missing link that you've been looking for to solve everyday parenting challenges and to access highly effective ways to communicate with your child without triggering conflict, arguments, or meltdowns. The best part is that these resources, tools, and templates are completely free and are a gift to you for being a valued member of our community and subscriber to our show. To get free instant access to the Blissful Parenting Toolbox today by visiting www.blissfulparenting.com forward slash toolbox. That address again, www.blissfulparenting.com forward slash toolbox. Register today and we'll see you on the inside.